What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. This is episode 60 and I am here with Tyler tonight. Tyler, it's been a very interesting two days. How are, how are you holding up? Well, I mean, I'm holding up pretty good. I, I would say that overall it was a positive experience um, with Stevie Y being the GM for the first time and, you know, conducting the draft the way he he and his team, you know, wanted it to be. So um, we'll, we'll delve into it. But I think uh, overall positivity, I think you probably would agree with that. I would. I think we started off worried. And yeah. then as we dug into the prospects that were drafted, we found a lot of really good stuff. And it almost feels like maybe we're uncovering some things that that other people didn't pay attention to. And that yeah. we've got we've got prospects and there were some clear messages sent out. Uh, but we got a couple things to go over before we dive deep into the draft because it's going to be one of our bigger episodes. The home opener was announced. Uh, it will be October 6, 2019 against the Dallas Stars at 5 p.m., which Tyler pointed out was really weird. And, and I agree. That's a really 5 p.m. is a really weird start time because you normally get 1 p.m. or you get 7 p.m. If you're in if you're in Detroit, so 5 p.m. is a very odd start time. Is that a Saturday? Sunday. A Sunday at 5 p.m. So even weirder. Yeah, um, the sense. Red the Red Wings will play their first game against the Montreal Canadiens, though, uh, in Montreal. We are Montreal's home opener, I believe. So oh, that God. is. Yeah, that'll be the if Zadina makes a roster, that'll be the Zadina versus Kotkaniemi showdown. Uh, if and if you didn't know, Montreal also got Cole Caulfield uh, this weekend, so it should be an interesting time there to see what happens. But yep, uh, October 6, twenty nineteen, against the Dallas Stars at five p.m. Uh, we will most likely be there. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's what we're aiming for. Tyler will be in town. Uh, me and Ryan are going to have to get, we're all going to have to coordinate getting tickets, but I think we will all be there. It should be a pretty sweet time. And again, if you came down to the draft party at Little Caesars Arena on Friday and saw me and Ryan, it was an awesome time. We met quite a few people. We had a really good time. Uh, if you didn't get pictures of us on Twitter, sucks to be you. But we uh, we hung out with a few people. We drank some beers. We saw the picks. We talked to Darren McCarty. Uh, we're going to actually work it out with DMAC. DMAC ended up coming on the podcast. So uh, we talked to him a little bit. And we had a, we had a great time uh, talking to people down there. Yeah, fuck you, Greg. <laughs> I mean, hey, you could have come in. Yeah. That was your call, bud. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. That, that would have been cool. I, I'm, I am glad to hear that that it was a success. I, I didn't think it wouldn't be, but I was a little skeptical. Um, but then, you know, you realize and you remember the fact that Stevie Y, it's his first draft and we have a top 10 pick and, you know, the, this is about the future, not the past and um, kind of where the past meets the future, I suppose, if you really want to put it that way. But I'm, I'm yeah. glad to hear it went well. I'm glad to hear you got to meet DMAC, talk a little bit to Ken Daniels a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's, that's good. That's, that's all positive vibes, I would say. Yeah, it was really cool to see because the Red Wings haven't done a, a part, a draft party recently. And in any of the years I can remember, I don't think they've done a draft party. There's no, and and no was, reason to. So, so what I found was really cool was they, they anticipated getting 5,000 people signed up for the event. 
and they ended up getting 11,000. Wow. So yeah, it was a huge turnout. People were pumped. People are super happy. It's, it's like the family's back together. Stevie's back. We got all these people here excited to watch the draft. I mean, food, food going, beer flowing. Everyone was happy uh, <laughs> inside the arena. We ended up, me and Ryan and a few people ended up watching it outside on the big TV in Chevy Plaza. But it was it was a really cool experience. I hope they do it going forward. The weather was gorgeous. It was just a really good time. I'm glad to hear that people came up to you guys and and uh, wanted pictures and wanted to talk to us or, or you guys and and uh, I'm glad that that many people know know of us and and that we continue to grow and and it's all because of you people that are listening to us. So yeah, absolutely. So thank you to the listeners. Thank you for hanging out with us. We will be doing uh, going to more events, doing more events next year coming up uh, with this season. But we're going to dive into me involved. Yeah, you gotta get your ass down here. <laughs> but uh, we're uh, we're gonna dive into the the draft because we have a ton to talk about. And I think the big thing that that happened first that kind of put instilled a shock in most of us initially was with the number six pick, the Detroit Red Wings pick Marit Sider. Uh, defenseman out of the Deutsch Elite League, which is the German, the top German league. And my, for, in my notes, because I took a ton of notes, my note says immediate reaction, WTF. So I think that was the entire crowd's reaction, because if you were watching the stream online, they showed a video, like a live feed of Chevy Plaza. Yeah. And for a second, everyone was silent, and then they started clapping. And the only reason we started clapping is because we saw ourselves on TV. But we we were all kind of in shock because, of course, Byram went to the Avs, and and Turcotte uh, went to LA, and then we're sitting there and we're like, okay, well, we got Zegris on the on the board, we got Caulfield on the board, and. Eiserman comes up and he announces Maritz Sider and we're all just so confused because you've got what some would conf- consider an elite level talent center that's available. Some would consider an elite level uh, winger that's available and you take a defenseman and you take a defenseman that not many people considered to be in th- the top five, six defensemen available. But I'm going to go through a few things. And then I'm going to get your opinion on it, Tyler. So Maritz Sider, he's six foot four, 207 pounds. So he is an 18 year old and that's a man's body that he's playing in a men's league. He's playing, um, I think middle full, uh, middle minutes. So he's a top four guy. I think he started as a, as a six, like a bottom four. And then he, he came into a top four role. He did not get any power play time really last season. So, the notes I have on him, he was a World Junior Championship MVP. He was considered one of the best defensemen at the World Junior Championship. He also played in the men's worlds until he got knocked out uh, on a boarding from, uh, I think they were playing in Czech Republic, and he got boarded and he got injured. So the notes on him, I've got big, mobile, no panic. That's the big thing. They say he he does not show any panic in his game whatsoever. Uh, he has an amazing first pass. He's been playing with men. And the big thing is no power play time and no supporting cast. So he hasn't had people, uh, amazing talent feeding him pucks. He ha- hasn't had other draftees on his team that he's been feeding pucks to. It's basically 
him on that team. And Germany's not a real big, the DEL is not a huge league to pull talent from, but they're pulling him because of how he stood out on a team of people who are not being drafted, have never been drafted, or don't have any kind of upside to them to get them drafted. So Tyler, if any minute you want to interject, let me know. Yeah. I've got a ton of notes. Well, uh, the only thing I'll say about the Dell and the only reason I know this is I was listening to uh, another podcast. I think it might've been spitting chicklets and they had someone on there who had played in all these different leagues. And they said the Dell may not be the greatest league in the world, but these guys work their absolute ass off and like in practice and, and like just the physicality you have to be in and the shape you have to be in to play in some of these European leagues is just absolutely insane. And the fact that he's playing in a league like that at 18 years old tells me a lot. And, and being pretty dominant too. Yeah. And, and it's a men's league, any men's league you're playing against guys who they're, they're it's still their job. They're still getting paid to play hockey and they have to put 110% in or they're going to lose their job still. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what I've got is, uh, this is from Elite Prospects. Cider is a mobile and very smart two-way defenseman with few weaknesses, plays a mature game with strong and consistent defensive decisions. Offensively, his vision allows him to be a, be a very good passer, and he is also good at getting his shot through. His best attribute is his hockey sense. It's high end. He can anticipate plays sometimes two steps ahead of his opponents. And I think that's a big thing. He thinks further ahead than the people he goes up against, and that lets him get out that first pass. And I heard, I don't remember who it was yesterday, but I heard a quote that says it's almost as if the first guy in front of him, that initial screen doesn't matter. He looks past that screen and he makes plays through people, which is important for a defenseman. Absolutely. His back... His backward speed and mobility allows him to play a tight gap in the neutral zone. Defensively sound and can be relied upon uh, on the penalty kill because of his great gap control. He recognizes his opponents when playing the puck and rarely makes an unforced error. That's a big thing. No errors coming from him. He had six points in 29 games played for Adler Mannheim in the DEL. Again, that's six points in 29 games, no power play time. Uh, in the, let's see, in the under 20, he was a captain of the under 20 of the World Juniors, uh, where he had f- uh, seven points in five games at the World Championship. So the over 18, he had two goals in five games, uh, and then he got injured. So his numbers are really good. He he was, as, I think, as surprised as we were that we picked him. Yeah. But this was this was Stevie's guy. Stevie said we were taking him at six or 35. He wasn't going to be there at 35. They tried to trade down, didn't find a deal they liked, so they took him at six. And these are the kind of deals that you – he had enough faith in a guy that even if there were better forwards available at that position, he knew that this was a guy he could not pass on. Which, um, which to me, it, like, all right, so I'll, I'll just break it down for you. So initially, I had people over the house, and my dad was here. My buddy Connor was here, who's a Bruins fan. My neighbor, uh... Brian, was here, who's a Red Wings fan. And, um, you know, we're, we're waiting for them to say Zgress, or we're waiting for them to say Caulfield. Or I'm, I'm like, I'm standing up, I'm recording it on my phone, and initially – I hear them say from Mannheim. I'm like, well, that's not Caulfield, and that's not <laughs> that's not Z- Zegris at all. That's not Zegris, and that's not anybody that I know. 
So who the fuck is this? And so initially I was pissed. I was really pissed. I'm like, are you serious? Why does this organization always have to do this? They always have to reach. They always do this. And then, you know, I settled down a little bit and I thought about it and I went to Twitter and I, I was pissed initially. And then I started reading up on him and, and looking stuff up about him and, and reading elite prospects. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. So maybe this is just a diamond in the rough. And then the the stuff co- starts coming out that, that Eiserman was going to take this guy and, and this and that. And then after the fact, I went back and I saw the fact that Eiserman was so, was so confident in this pick that at the end of, at the end of reading and, and listening to how confident he was in the pick, I'm like, okay, you know what? I may not be confident in this pick and I may never be confident in this pick, but you know what? The guy that made the pick, the guy that believes in the kid, he he made the pick and and that's what he believed in so he's gonna hang his hat on that and i hope i hope to god he is right because if he's not that's a huge miss that's a huge miss because there there's tremendous there was tremendous players there zegris there was caulfield who's probably going to score 30 to 35 goals in the nhl at one point or another cousins was there Cousins was there, who I don't really love. Kirby Doc, I didn't like at all, and I'm kind of glad he was gone before we were there to make that decision. However, like I said, at first I was pissed. As we went on, I I got a lot more comfortable, and now I've kind of come around on this. And and now that I saw what the approach was throughout the draft, I kind of understood where Eisenman was coming from. And you know what? Eisenman liked the kid. He tried to trade down. He did everything he could to to get more compensation and still get the player he wanted. He couldn't do it. So you know what? He drafted the kid at six. And you know what? Five years from now, or or maybe even two years from now, we'll be saying, man, this kid's a number one defenseman, or this kid is a is a top pair defenseman. And if that's the case, then Eisenman's a winner. If this kid doesn't ever sniff the NHL, it's that's that's tough. You, you missed on yeah. a, a top five, a top six pick, but you know what? That's, that's the draft. That's, that's life really. I mean, yeah, it's a huge risk. It's a huge risk, but it's a high reward. So I mean, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. In insider was ranked anywhere between 10, 10 and 22. So, you know, he wasn't going to be there at, at 35. No way. I mean, so the athletic had him ranked 22. Hockeyprospects.com had him at 10. Future Considerations had him at 16. ISS had him at 17. And this is one that I thought was really interesting. So we're going to go a lot by this throughout the the podcast. McKean's Hockey had him ranked at 15. Uh, I looked, I cross-referenced a lot of who the Red Wings took with McKean's, and it is very close. So uh, NHL Central Scouting for European skaters had him ranked number six. Uh, he was 18 by elite prospects and he was 16 by Bob McKenzie. So that's a pretty good list. And I mean, the more I look at it and the more I watch tape on him and the more I see how confident he is, how he moves, how he distributes the puck, we need defensemen in the, in the, that was the theme throughout the night was clearly what happened is Iserman came in to the organization looked at our defensive pipeline and said, this is complete shit. We're blowing it's it up. not good enough. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It, it, and, and that was a consensus on Twitter today. I mean, like even 
but I don't want to go too far into the, you know, the other picks. Cause I'm sure we'll do that. You know, oh, we are we go on here, but um, the consensus was big defensemen, not just defensemen, no big, big defensemen, defensemen kind of modeling what St. Louis did. Yeah. And I think the big thing is, is if you notice the, the Red Wings did not pick a single player from the CHL this whole draft, which I don't understand to be honest. So I, and it could just be they thought there were other better players available. Um, one of my thoughts was maybe they want to fast track some of these people to the AHL, and they can't do that if they're from the CHL. Well, that's true. Yeah, so, expedite the rebuild a little bit. Yeah, get them in with men, get them playing with men, even if it's at a lower level. But it's so my to me, question to you, Greg, is: Do you see Cider playing in the AHL next year? Um, no, I think they'll leave him in Germany for one more year. He may start um, the 2020-21 season in the Griffins and come to the Red Wings. Or if he blows it up in Germany, they might put him right on the team. But I think I think he'll play another unless, – unless Iserman is so forward on this pick and there is room on the Grand Rapids uh, team. I think he could play with Grand Rapids because he's been – like we said, he's been playing with men. So – I think that's I, I, just, I think that's the approach they should have, to be honest with you. I I think they should too, but I don't know how much room there is. And then you know that McIsaac is gonna go back to juniors most likely. So I think you could get Cider onto Grand Rapids. I just don't know if they want to push it that far right now. But we'll see. It's completely possible. We'll see. Yeah. There's also possible trades that 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 really didn't happen today, but that, you know, free agency is on, uh, we have a week or so for free agency. So, I mean, that, that's, that's also looming. So there's going to be, there's going to be movement in the league. There's, yeah. there's going to be a ton of movement. And, and the reason there wasn't this weekend is because there was no firm cap number until what the sixth or seventh round. Yeah. It's, it, did it get put at 81 five? Yes. 81. Yeah. 81. Yeah, when they thought it could have been as high as 84. So, yeah, there there are some disappointed GMs. And if and we'll actually I'll go over this real quick for those. If you didn't see and I don't know how you couldn't. P.K. Subban got traded uh, from Nashville to the New Jersey Devils for two random guys and two second round picks. And uh, so basically, New Jersey's killing it with trades. Um, the other one was Vancouver got J.T. Miller. From, uh, they gave Tampa a conditional first. Yeah, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they didn't realize that Tampa needed to clear space to sign Braden Point, but they basically helped them and gave up a first round pick. So they must like the player a lot. They must like JT Miller a lot. JT Miller's a good player, but he's not give up three assets and help a team who's in cap crunch trying to sign a young guy kind of yeah, player. I agree, I agree with that. Yeah. But you will see more trades coming up soon. So in the second round, uh, the Red Wings drafted another defenseman, six foot four hundred ninety four pound anti Tuomisto, thirty uh, fifth overall. He was ranked forty four by McKean's. So there were other forwards on the table that many people on Twitter wanted, but we went with a another one where when we picked him, everyone's like, "Who the hell is that?" So. Mm-hmm. The notes on him is Tuomisto has a cannon of a point shot with both accuracy and power. His hands are smooth. That's from McKean's. 
when he's on his game, he makes a good first pass with good accuracy, and he displays powerful strides and is hard to knock off the puck. So again, big, heavy defenseman. And we also picked a lot of right-handed defensemen. That's the other thing. So yeah, uh, well, most in, of the defensemen we have, besides Ironic, are, are left-handed. So yeah. And uh, last season, he played the, with Asad under 18 in Finland with the Junior B team. He had uh, two games played with one goal. Uh, the Junior A team, he had 45 games played with 35 points, nine goals, 26 assists. He played with Finland's under 18 team in the World Juniors, five games, two assists. And uh, his whole international uh, totals for this year, he 19 games played with 15 points. So... This is another guy that's going to be a stash. He'll go back to Finland. But this is what started the where we're like, we're just going to take a ton of defensemen, aren't we? And we just kept taking defensemen after defensemen, which is how you know that our defensive pipeline is garbage and it's going away. So it should be interesting to see what kind of moves come up with current defensemen in the system when we have this influx of like eight guys coming in. Yeah, because I feel like I feel like Eisenman took a look at it and he's like, Yeah, this is not even near good enough. Not even yeah. near good enough. Not any of the players that are overseas and not any of the players that are in Grand Rapids right now. Yeah, but two Amisto and Heronic. Yeah, two Amisto I couldn't find a lot of stuff on, but the the size. You'll notice a trend where the size is big. We'll pick three, four huge guys. And then a small guy, and then three or four more huge guys, and a small guy. So, in I round, just hope these big guys that he drafted can skate because this game is going into a, a, you know, it's a track meet nowadays. It's not, yeah. it's not, you know, smash mouth hockey. It's it's a track meet. Obviously, in the playoffs, it becomes smash mouth hockey, and that's why Tampa couldn't win. But, you know, I mean, it's. The, the way I look at it is, like, I hope these guys can all skate. I really do. I didn't see anything in any of the reports that said bad skating. So that, that kind of helps me a little bit. And skating, is, there's somewhat of it is natural talent, but there are systems now that can really help develop skating in someone as long as they have the baseline ability to do it. Yeah. So into the third round, or no, still second round. So second round... We chose, uh, with our second pick, Robert Mastro-Simone. Hmm. He is a center. This is where we picked a smaller guy, five foot ten, 170 pounds. Smaller guy. He was taken 57th overall. He was ranked 27 by McKean's. Wow. So, yeah. And, and there were other, a bunch of other sites had him going higher than he did. He was ranked 26 by The Athletic, 93 by Hockey Prospects. 47 by future considerations, 53 by North American Central Scouting, and 39 by Elite Prospects, 51 by Bob McKenzie. So by all accounts, besides hockey prospects, we were pretty... This was, uh, my notes say, first round offensive talent that you wanted to get in the second round. Yep. So he's a because he's small, he slipped to the second, and we were able to get what what a lot of people would consider a first round talent. Uh, offensively the notes like are you know last year or, or i'm sorry uh Berggren. yeah my notes are uh he has a type of player who has a non-stop motor and plays a fearless brand of hockey that was mckean's note 
has a quick accurate release on his shot and is expert at the at using toe drags to get around defenders. So <laughs> that's a Patrick Kane move. In 2018-19, he played for the Chicago Steel in the USHL and had 60 points in 54 games, 31 goals and 29 assists. And in the playoffs, he had 15 points in 11 games, 7 goals and 8 assists. He is committed to Boston University next year. Yeah. He is described as a bulldog. He has Dylan Larkin-type qualities of passion for the game. He's the kind of guy that's out there all the time, loves the game, wants to be on the ice, wants to make himself better. If he can put on weight, if he can be 5'10", 185, 190, that's going to be super helpful. But he has the offensive talent of a first-round player. He's just a little smaller. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, too, I mean, he's he went to a great high school like Shattuck St. Mary's. Like, you know, guys like Jonathan Taves and Sidney Crosby have gone to schools, a school like that. And uh, like that's that's an elite that's an elite prep school. And the fact that, you know, he even played for the National Development Program, not not the uh, not the U-20, but the U-18 team. He played, what, four games there and he had one one assist but i mean he only played four games and the fact is that this kid this kid is going to be one of those kids that can bring you out of your seat offensively i believe and uh i think you're going to see this guy in a winged wheel at some point i really do i think this guy's going to be really exciting to watch yeah and they were looking people were saying well we're so we're so thin at center we're so thin at center if master simone can come in and be a third line center and be a Dylan Larkin type player. And maybe it's not two years from now, maybe it's three or four years from now he comes in and you've already got Dylan Larkin's, of course, your your solidified one C. Valeno could be in the Red Wings for, for two seasons by then. He's probably gonna be your solidified two C. If Master Simone can come in and be your three C and have the same kind of drive as Dylan Larkin and offensive production to go with it, that's a dangerous three centermen three top lines uh, on the wings where where we've got now a top line two-thirds of a second line and two fourth lines basically so if you can roll three really solid lines this is a good move towards the rebuild and the kid just i mean he wants to play and he's excited to play and of course he's a little small but he was drafted where, I mean, late for where he should have been. Absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like this is an upside pick, definitely. I mean, like you said, it's a first-round talent in the second round. I mean, how can you go wrong there? You know what I mean? Yep. So our next pick was uh, 60th overall, Albert Johansson, a defenseman from Sweden, I believe. That's right. Yep, from Sweden. Yeah. Six foot, 168, so six feet tall, 168. Again, he's an average-sized defenseman, but he was taken 60th overall. McKean's had him at 26. Jeez. So the McKean's list has been pretty good, and if they're looking at any kind of mocks, the the office, I know they do all their scouting and, and everything, but they have to also look at what other people are looking at. And to get him at 60, the notes are he sees the ice well, has a high panic threshold, and can adjust his style of play to what's needed. And that's one of the big things that we heard about um, Cider is he has no panic. 
that's the thing when when he sees people coming in and, and encroaching on him he doesn't freak out he can still get off the first pass to the closest person uh, he's a very good skater with fluid strides he's quick for steps and is adept at handling the puck as he accelerates the top speed has a hard shot from the blue line is not afraid to shoot the puck you see a theme here greg you see a theme uh big calm shooting defenseman yes <laughs> I could shoot the puck. Exactly. When was the last time we had a defenseman besides Heronic that shoots the puck? Yeah, Mike Mike Green and Heronic are the two. Yeah, but Mike Green's not a guy that we developed. No, you mean develop? The Red Wings yeah. are notorious for not developing great defensemen since Lindstrom left. We haven't developed a good defenseman in a long time. So now we have a million defensemen that we can develop. I'm hoping it goes well. 2018-19. Uh, he played through, man, he played for uh, Farstad BK in the J18 Elite. He had uh, four points in four games. He played for the same team in the J18 Allsvenskan, had two points in one game. He played for Farstad BK J20 in the Super Elite for 40. So he said he spent most of his time, 40 games, 29 points, five goals, 24 assists. He also played in the Sweden World Junior Championship with 1.7 games. And his entire international for this year, he had 22 games played with three assists. So he's a bigger defenseman. He likes to shoot the puck. If he has forwards in front that can finish, that's probably where he's going to be the best. But again, big puck moving, puck shooting defenseman. So again, you're going to see the theme come through with that also he had gold with team sweden so that was another theme that i saw through a lot of the picks is a lot of the picks that we had whether it be finnish players swedish players uh, even the german they all won awards this last season whether it was world junior championship awards whether it was uh they were won their league playoffs uh their league championships there we picked a lot of guys who were on teams that won and they seem to have been large contributors to that team winning. Which is a good thing. I mean, you, if you're going to win the Stanley Cup at some point, you have to have winners on your team. That sounds like an obvious statement, but I mean like players that are winning players, not cancerous. That have experience that, winning. That are all about themselves. If that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So that was a, a pick that was also kind of off the wall. No one saw it coming. But the next pick is again where we got a good value pick. And I think 66, that's the third round at that point. At 66 overall, we picked Albin Gru, a center right wing uh, out of Sweden. Six feet tall, 187 pounds. This is a guy I had a, I tweeted out a meme of him a while ago when he was at the combine. He uh, was asked who his favorite NHL player was, and he said he liked Brad Marchand a lot. Oh, God. I, I can see why, because he's kind of the same style player. In your face, gritty, open ice hits. There was a re there was a good one. I think Corey Prom had tweeted it out, a reverse hit, where he had the puck. He had the puck, and he was coming through center ice, and a guy thought he was going to stand him up, and, and uh, Gru just blasted the dude. And laid him down. So 66 overall, he was ranked 56 by McKean's. So this is a value pick that probably should have went in the second round that we ended up getting in the third. 
and he was ranked 40 by future considerations as well. Yeah, so he was ranked, I mean, early second round talent. His notes are a strong skater who re- who's relentless on the forecheck and a serious trash talker who gets under the skin of his opponents each night. So what I saw, some of the notes were that he likes Marshawn. He's a Marshawn-style player. Some people said his ceiling is probably Tyler Bertuzzi, but we don't even know what Tyler Bertuzzi's ceiling okay. is right now. Okay. And I'll take another pesty Tyler yep. Bertuzzi-type player who's going to score you over 20 goals a season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it says, Gru is willing to play a committed brand of defense, blocking shots and getting his stick onto the puck. That's another thing we need is people Greg, to get the sounds, puck away. That sounds like me, to a winner player. That's that's another winner player, a guy that's not afraid to block shots, not afraid to kill penalties. Those are the type of players you need on a team to win. Exactly. It says, playing with considerable energy is a threat down the right side when he puts his shoulder down to attack wide and drive the net. He's at the top of the food chain. He calls himself a T-Rex eats everything and thinks everything is under him. He holds himself above all the other players on the ice. Uh, slick stick handler, dangerous in the offensive, and plays a fast game, works hard every shift, deadly on the power play. So this guy has a ton of upside, and why I think he slipped a little further is some teams may see it as an attitude issue because some may see him as overly confident. The thing is, is we do not have a player like that right now. No. Absolutely not. My um, notes say every outlet had him ranked higher. Huge presence, big open ice hits, Marshawn type. Some are giving a Tyler Bertuzzi comparable. Could have been an early to mid second. Uh, in his last season, he played with uh, Jurgarden IFJ team in the Allsvenskan. Uh, he was on the team for three playoff games and had two points. He played at Jurgarden Super Elite, 25 games, 34 points in 25 games. Uh, 13 goals, 21 assists, plus 12. I hate plus minus because it's plus 12. Eight playoff games there, he had six points. And then uh, in 15 games in the SHL, he had zero points, uh, but he most likely didn't get a ton of minutes there. Again, he's a world junior player. He played seven games and had two points, and in his total internationals for last season, 18 games and nine points. So the guy is, to me, this again, like uh, like Maestro Simone is a a quality pick for where you picked him up at. Come on, Even Greg, though he compares Maestro himself Simone, to Maestro Simone. Get it right. Maestro Simone. Like he's <laughs> gonna, I'm going to meet him at the Olive Garden or somewhere. <laughs> but uh, Albin Grew seems like another one of those guys that in, in two to three seasons, he could come right in, play a third, fourth line role, and just destroy people. Yeah. Which is fun to watch at the end of the day, too. Which is fun to watch, yeah. So I I see him as... So people are saying Brad Marchand. People are saying Tyler Bertuzzi. It, to me, he could almost be maybe a Tom Wilson kind yeah, of guy. I was about to say that because he's six foot tall. Yeah, so he's average size. He's a little heavier, but I think he could be a Tom Wilson kind of guy where he's just a shit disturber. He runs around, he destroys dudes on the ice, but he can also... He is what... people freaking grasp for Luke Witkowski, but like this is a Luke Witkowski with skill, not just a guy who wants to beat people up. He can beat people up with a purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what they need. Yeah. I think Albin grew is a, is a good pick. And to me, if we could get a, a, what was Brad Marchand taken in the fourth round? 
I think Brad Marchand was was a, that, yeah. a fourth or later. But if we could find a guy like that who eventually develops into a pretty high end player who also is pretty like uh, physical Annoying. with his play, that's exactly what we needed. At 66, that was a quality pick because he should have been a high to mid second rounder. Greg, the other thing that I noticed too, and um, I kind of noticed this last night, but even more so today, it feels like Eisenman took a look at it, obviously didn't like the defense and all of that. But I feel like he also wanted to draft guys that were harder to play against. Yeah, he wanted to inject a little bit of, like he said, size and grit. Yep, physicality. Which is, we're okay, we're okay with it. We're super fine with physicality. Great, brings a great aspect of the game. As long as you can contribute. And as long as you have some skill and you can get the puck toward the net. I have no problem with someone like Gru knocking someone on their ass as long as he then can get the puck to someone or can put the puck in the net. As long as you control it, too, and you don't take stupid-ass penalties. Exactly. You so, know. quality pick. Yep. So then we moved on to pick 97. We grabbed Ethan Phillips, who's a forward, five foot nine, 146. So this was the smallest guy we drafted. This is, again, he was ranked 129 by McKean's but he ranked as high as 50 by other sources. So between 50 and 129, which is a huge gap, which tells me no one had a clear a clear view of his entire game. Um, the note on him is defensively, he is a smart player who manages risk and reward and is an effective shutdown guy at his foundation. He's a forward. He's listed as a forward. The interesting thing with him, so I've got my notes as small, but has motor. 2018-19, he played for the Selects Hockey Academy uh, in midget. So he has not, he doesn't have a huge background. His no. midget, his, he played midget in 2018-19 and had 19 points in 21 games. He moved down to the Sioux Falls Stampede in the USHL and had 43 points in 50 games, 16 goals, 27 assists. Uh, in six playoff games for Sioux, because Sioux Falls made this, the playoffs, he had uh, in six games had one goal and four assists for five points. And guess he where he's going to school next year? Boston University. Well, you know what? You you laugh, but but they have they have developed some really good players over the last few years. You know they so, do. I mean, obviously Eichel, anybody could have developed, but Charlie McAvoy was a guy, and and even Matt Grizzlick, who's with the Bruins, and like they, they're. They've done a very good job for a long time. Now, granted, it's not the same coach, but just the the um, the pipeline team to the NHL seems like it's uh, just continues to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, the thing that I have that was also interesting, his family was the Billet family for Zadina and Nico Heeshier. Really? Yeah, so he's pretty good friends with Philip Zadina. And to be around other guys that, that can show you how to play – or that have been drafted high. I mean, Nico Heischer was a first overall draft pick. Philip Zadina fell to us at six, should have been a top three. And and he's been around guys like that. Now, Greg, do Falls win, win it all this year? Uh, they had six games, so I don't think so. Well, the picture on Elite Prospects has him holding up a trophy. I mean, it could have. I, so I didn't did, look that. If you, if you scroll up, yeah, he's got he's got a trophy in his hand, you know. Yeah, I, di- I didn't look that far into it, but I mean, the, the big thing about him is 
He's small and he's super light right now. If he could be 5'9 and he could get to 170, he'd have to put on 15, 25 pounds. He has to put on 25 pounds. He can get to 170. That's a lot of training. He could grow a little taller, but I don't think it's going to happen. But again, small guy with motor. If you can put him on a wing on a third line and have him just run up the... The thing is, is guys that small, it's normally speed and evasiveness. But it says he's also really good defensively. So if you can get a third line forward that is is small enough to have speed, but also good in the defensive zone, I think that's your that's your guy. And and they say he's an effective shutdown guy. And at 5'9", 146, to me, that's kind of hard to believe. But I, I need to go watch tape on him. But again, this seems like if he ranked as high as 50 on some, on some uh, mocks, at 97, I don't see why not taking a chance on him. Absolutely. Just taking chances on players and and seeing the upside. I mean, that it feels like all of these picks so far, we haven't gotten into the, you know, once further along in the draft, but they all seem to have really good value. The next one is actually really interesting, and it's something that doesn't happen very often. The Wings drafted at 128 Cooper Moore. He's a six foot one, 181 pound defenseman. So again, average height, heavier guy. A lot of the guys that we drafted, I would say 80% of them, they're NHL weight. They're ready yeah. to go. So Cooper Moore is a defenseman. We drafted him 128. He was ranked 80, the 88th U.S. skater by Central Scouting. Central NHL Central Scouting is the only source uh, based on elite prospects that had him ranked. No one else ranked him. The the other interesting part is he was drafted out of high school. So that is a fairly uncommon to draft a player out of high school. Normally you're drafting him from juniors. You're drafting him from an overseas league. He played for the mid Fairfield Rangers for midget in 2018-19. In seven games, he had three points. He played for uh, Brunswick School A, the United States High School Prep Program, and in 28 games had 31 points, 13 goals, 18 assists as a defenseman. Pretty close to me, actually. Now, there is Cooper Moore. He's committed to Chilliwack next season, so he'll be playing in the BCHL. That's where uh, Dennis Chilowski played. Mm -hmm. He is also committed in 2020 to the University of North Dakota, but there's a pretty interesting story around Cooper Moore, NHL scouts and college coaches uh, were at Exeter Academy in New Hampshire for a tournament. I think it was last year. I mean, every major high school tournament uh, is is going to get scouted. What happened there was kind of what put them on his path. So Cooper Moore was uncommitted and draft eligible. First four minutes of the game, he scored a power play goal to give the uh, to give Brunswick a 1-0 lead. And then uh, in the second period, he had another goal that was at even strength. But his team, he had the first two goals for his team, but they fell behind six to two. <laughs> so so in the third period, uh, one of his teammates scored to make it six to three. And then Cooper Moore took over the entire game. He had three goals in under three minutes, uh, one on the power play and back to back even strength in 22 seconds to tie the game. Yeah. <laughs> So he's a defenseman. 
who all, he also almost won the game in overtime, hitting the post off the draw. It would have been his sixth goal. So he had a five goal game in the tournament as a defenseman. The quote is anything that the goalie saw coming from Cooper's stick was an, uh Oh, I'm in trouble moment. So Brunswick's coach is Mike Kennedy. Apparently his phone began ringing off the hook. Scouts wanted info on Cooper. So did colleges. He got a ton of offers. He brought it down to university of North Dakota and Boston college. He visited both campuses and he decided on the university of North Dakota. Yeah. It's a good thing. He picked uh, North Dakota, Boston colleges, uh, yeah, we don't get into that. But uh, yeah. again, he's he's going to another great institution. The University of North Dakota, you know, has fed players in the NHL, like Zach Parise, TJ Oshie. Um, there's there's a ton of other players that I can't think of at the moment, but a ton of players that they've fed into the NHL. And, like, not that this kid's going to be in the NHL right away, but the fact that, that St- th- this is just another one of the examples of – Nobody saw this, any value in this kid, and somehow the Red Wings did, and they must have watched this kid all year long, you know, at the Brunswick school. They must have watched this kid from the start of the high school hockey season until the end of it, and they must have even probably went to one of the midget games for the F- mid-Fairfield Rangers, so the U18. Uh, th- they must have been on this kid all year long. Uh, an NHL scout said he absolutely has NHL skating ability. His best attribute, no question, is his skating. He competes hard. He has a good shot. The foundation of his game is his skating and his shot. He needs coaching to learn how to manage the game, think think the game through, where to go with the puck, how to defend, and positional play. He makes some mental errors. It says, I'm glad he's going to juniors this year. It'll be really good for him. He needs time. So he is a project player, but the upside on him, I think, outweighs. I mean, you, you did, what, a sixth-round pick on him? Yes. So it, it far any fifth, anything fifth. you get from him, if he makes the team, is just I mean extra. That's extra. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. At this point, you're you're just shooting you know your shots in the dark. Um, Maybe it's the fifth round. Maybe yeah, fifth round. Like I said, fifth fifth round, 128th overall. That's what it was. Um, but yeah, at, at that point, you're 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 putting shots in the dark, and if they really like this kid, they drafted him. You know. Yeah, then the things that they say he needs to work on, those are all teachable. Uh, game management is teachable. Uh, game visualization is teachable. Uh, figuring out plays and, and who to defend, where and when, that's teachable. Skating is harder to teach. Shots are harder to teach. So he, if he has the two foundational things that are more talent-driven, he can be taught the rest of the game, and I think oh, yeah. he could be a really good sleeper pick. Absolutely. So we'll move on to when I saw this, this was a really an interesting pick for me. So drafted 159th overall, ranked 159 by McKean's. So you see how they are kind of lining up. We picked who McKean's ranked at 159, who was Elmer Soderblom from Sweden, center winger, six foot seven, 220 pounds. The dude is an absolute unit. Uh, my notes, Mantle look small. Yeah, my notes. He's like, he's our Chara, really. He's 17 years old. Uh, huge. Uh, my notes are huge open ice hits, brick wall, Red Wings Chara. So Six, seven, 220. That's an NHL body right there. 
that's more that's a MMA body right there. And he's seven he's 17 years old, so he's not How much done. bigger can the kid get? So I I mean, if he grows another inch, figure he gets six eight two fifty. Yeah, but can you move in the NHL like that at six eight two fifty? Char is six nine two fifty. Yeah, but we're talking about a forward here, not a defenseman. So here's his notes. Uh, he's more of a stick handler than a uh, than a forward that will crash the net and throw big hits. Oh. Soderblom owns great hands for his size and likes to take the puck to the net. There is an incredible gif of him just skating through people to the net and just putting the puck in the net. And it's just, no one can stop him because he's so big and so heavy that as he's, it's like if you're watching an action movie and there's a scene about like a runaway semi truck and it's driving down the highway and pushing all the other cars (laughs) out of the way. That's what this guy does. Uh, In 2018-19, he played for Frolunda in the J18 Elite. Uh, Three games had three points. He played in Frolunda for the J18 Osvenskin. Eight games, three points. Uh, Seven playoff games, six points. And then he played for the Frolunda HCJ20 in the Super Elite. 44 games, 17 points. And then six playoff games, four points. He also played in the World Juniors. Surprise. Seven games, one point. And his international total is 18 games, five points. So this is another guy that if he can, if he can come in as even a four C at six foot seven, two twenty, and he's not done. Like he turns 18 uh, in at the beginning of July. So put him in a gym and maybe he grows another inch. That's again, gold medal world junior championship. He's, he's a, big dude um we've already had i've already seen on twitter he he looks like he could be related to lidstrom he's <laughs> he's a big boy i Huge love the tank. name too i know we're, we're, we're more about stats and we're more about the actual player but the name is great i could see that on the name of the back of a red wing sweater at some point yeah i i mean i went out and i looked because i see the size and i'm like there's no way i'm like this guy's gonna be slow but he he cuts through lines. He goes. He drives the net. He puts pucks on net. He's, I mean, long legs, so big stride. Yeah. And he's not. He, from what I looked at, he's not clumsy. Good. He's, that's and that's, that's hard not to be clumsy at that at that height. Exactly, because normally you're big and you're lanky. He's big and he's big. So it's, <laughs> it's he's just a huge dude. Dude, you can and, put this guy as the four center right now, and and he'd be better than Luke Glendening. Yeah, no one's getting no one's getting pucks off of him. <laughs> Next at 177, uh, he was unranked. The Red Wings picked Gustav Berglund, so we got another Gustav. We had to replace Nyquist. We got a new one. Gustav Berglund again, a defenseman from Sweden. So we got quite a few Swedish players this year. We're restocking our cabinets on Swedes, but. Bigger guy, six foot two, one ninety four. Uh, in twenty eighteen, he played for the Frölunda H uh, HCJ eighteen Elite. In fifteen games, he had eighteen points, so six goals and twelve assists. For the J eighteen Osvenskin, he played thirteen games and had eleven points, and he played nine games for uh, Frölunda Super Elite with zero points. So I, my notes is I know nothing about him. I had no opportunity to look at him. He was unranked. He wasn't on anyone's radar. But, 
I mean, Swedish guy, the Swedes did very well internationally. And I have no problem picking up more Swedish players. And the fact that he's a Frölunda guy, I mean, that's that's a historic organization over in Sweden, you know. So yep, that's again. I mean, they're 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 taking guys from organizations, and and you know situations that they know already. There there has been players in the Red Wing organization. There's been success that have had success, or guys in the NHL that have had success and played at Frölunda. Yep, absolutely. So drafted 190 again unranked uh was 5 foot 946 pound Kirill god this sucks I really hope he never makes the team uh T Y U T Y A Y E V to to Utyev a forward so you said drafted 190 these are the super reach guys that'll probably never see ice time in the NHL but the interesting stuff about him, he was born in Yekaterinburg, which is where Datsuk was born. Last season played for Datsuk's hometown team. Yep. He will play with Datsuk next year. No, he's playing in the KHL. He's well, it says MHL. So that's the AHL of, of the Russian league. That's the, the MHL. But it's the same team name. I so understand it, that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But so that, that's how they do it in Russia. So 2018-19, he played for Avto, which is Avtomobilist Yakaterinburg, MHL. So they're they're AHL. 60 game. He has 60 points in 60 games. So point per game in the juniors. He had 14 points in 20 playoff games. So 19 goals, 41 assists in the junior regular season. Five goals, nine assists in the playoffs. He was a plus in both. He was a plus 39 in in the, the uh regular season and a plus eight in the playoffs so he should make the pro team next season and next season would be playing with datsuk in the khl for yakaterinburg which is a huge plus to be playing with a former legend of the team you were just drafted to but again not a lot of information on him because he was unranked no one was looking at him and this is to the point where you go, well, maybe maybe you get lightning in a bottle twice. You went and found Pavel Datsuk the first time in his hometown in Russia where no one else looked, no one else ranked him, nothing. So maybe you're trying to go back to the same fishing hole. You're looking at this kid, smaller, I mean, 5'9", 146. He can put on weight. He might grow an inch or two. But... You're looking at this kid and you're saying, man, if he can play next year with Datsuk and if he's playing juniors in the same area where Datsuk uh, was growing up, maybe maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle twice. It's a very rare thing, but, you know, you you keep knocking on that door. Eventually it opens up. And I think uh, obviously we don't know a ton about this kid. We, we, you and know, you took him 190. And so you took him ninety. So if he doesn't pan out, who cares? Yeah, there's there's no at this point of the draft, you're shooting your shots in the dark, and if they don't work out, they don't work out. Most of the time, they don't. But sometimes, sometimes they do. And those are the times where, you know, you get a Pavel Datsuk, or you get a Henrik Sederberg, or you get a, a Nicholas Lidstrom, or you, you know, you get a player like that deep in the draft. At this point, at this late, a seventh round, it's unknown. He was one of the last picks. And and I'll take an unknown chance that maybe 
you go back and you hit a little Russian magic and something happens and this kid just destroys the KHL at 19 years old. I mean, a point per game in, in any junior league. And if you look at, if you say that the KHL is above the AHL, but slightly, be, but is below the NHL. If you say that the MHL is the KHL's juniors, you could probably rank it MHL, AHL, KHL, NHL, right? We also have the VHL, which is also like an AHL for the KHL. But I, <laughs> but I think that if he can move up and he can keep producing at a KHL level on what I'm assuming, I'm assuming the Yak and Terenberg team is not fantastic. So I think if you, if he could learn from Datsuk, play with Datsuk, maybe get, get a season under his belt, get over, maybe play one or two seasons over there, come over here, play for Toledo or Grand Rapids. I mean, probably the slimmest of chances of him getting to the NHL, but if he turns it on, he proves that he's great. I mean, we could have another great Russian player in Detroit, which is a hope. Yeah. It's a hope. And if I don't he doesn't, understand why we didn't take more Russians, to be honest. With you. There was so many taken today. But the hope is that, I mean, seventh round pick, the, the chances of them making it to the NHL are almost nothing. So if he's nothing, he's nothing. And that doesn't bother me at all. No, absolutely not. So with the last pick of the draft, uh, of course, the ceremonial goalie was taken. Uh, we would have be remiss if we did not take a goalie. The entire draft was again, oh my God, six foot five, hundred and seventy-two pound Carter Guylander, uh, drafted 191, ranked 192 by McKean's. So we matched up pretty well with the McKean's list. Uh, for 2018-19, he played for the Sherwood Park Crusaders uh, in 22 games, had a two uh, 43 goals against and a 915 save percentage, which is good. Uh, he had one one playoff game with a 195 goals against and a 955 save percentage. He is committed to Colgate University in 2020-21. Colgate, again, great hockey college. Yep. So we'll see what happens there. Seventh round goalie, I mean, uh, that's a project. My, uh, my notes are big kids still growing small sample size in a not so great league because he played in the uh, AJHL, last which is not. They, last year they took, what, two or three goalies? Uh, Bratstrom, Eliason, two goalies? Two I think goalies. it took two goalies last year. Yeah. But uh, Eliason's a sleeper. Eliason looks like he could be a real, real solid goalie. Uh, second in the goalie pipeline right now. He surpassed uh, Petrozelli. I think Van Pottelberg's out now, but Eliason passed Petrozelli on the depth chart. Uh, I haven't heard anything from him. He's still playing overseas. Um, not a lot of news, but... It feels I, like that's his home and he just wants to stay there. That's what it feels like to me. Because if he was good enough to play and he wanted to come over, I think he would have came over by now. Yeah, but uh, Eliason has passed Petrozelli on the depth chart for goalie. Yeah. So it's yeah. Larson, Elias, and Petrozelli. So this kid, I mean, again, goalies are goalies are a whole other monster. They're very, very hard to project unless you're taking a Spencer Knight, who you know could probably step into the NHL next season. But which is great for Florida because Roberto Luongo is probably going to retire because of his injury issues, and Florida picked up Spencer Knight. But yeah, and did you see the rumor today that they they tomorrow are going to be meeting with. 
uh, Panarin and Bobrovsky. Did they get? Oh, tomorrow they don't they don't need permission as of nope, tomorrow. Tomorrow's the first day you don't need permission. Yep, Nashville will meet with uh, Duchesne too. Yep. So, I think the goalie thing is, if it hits, it hits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You wasted. You you used your very last pick of the draft on him, and playing in the AJHL, which is not a prominent league, with decent. I mean, decent numbers. Those are good numbers. Two forty three goals against, nine one five save percentage. We'll see how he does at Colgate, but I mean, uh, we've got two pretty good goalie prospects in the pipe right now and we didn't necessarily need to hit on one this season absolutely i think i think larson is the guy that's closest to the nhl i think you might see him in the ahl what next year and then uh yeah larson will probably play uh back up maybe 35 percent of the games in grand rapids uh unless he takes over from uh takes over that starting spot from rebar do you like Rebar? Do you think he has any upside or uh I don't think he's gonna be an NHL goalie. I think because Larson has that that edge on him, and I mean of course for a reason he's much younger and seems to be more solid and, and more consistent. I think that Larson is your is your Jimmy Howard replacement. And then when Bernie's contract is up you just grab another free agent goalie at that point for a backup. So you think Larson's a future starter? Yep. I think Larson's your future starter. And at some point you may have a, a good situation on your hands where you've got Eliason, who's also ready to be a starter. And then you've got trade fodder at that point. What would you, I think this, this draft is hard to grade because it's Iserman's first draft and you could clearly see what he was doing. But if I had to grade it, I'd probably give it a B simply because in the first few rounds there were better players available, but he took what he felt he needed. He took his guys, uh, but I see where he was going with it. I see a theme to it. I see the rebuild happening. So I would give the draft a B. Yeah, that that's exactly what I was going to say right before I even right before you even said that. Um, and the reason being is because yeah, there is so there's so much unknown about the draft to begin with, and now you took players that you know not a lot of people know a ton about, and uh, you know there was probably better players at uh, certain points of the draft, and you know I mean, but that is it is what it is. There's there's going to be points and times like that where Eisenman really he feels like a guy that's not influenced by what everybody else is thinking. Or, or or hoping for it. I think he's or projected rankings. He's very he's very constructive to his own process, and it, it, it feels like he wasn't. Although I'll tell you what, with that first pick that he made with um with cider there, I feel like <laughs> it was flashy because it was really ballsy, and and you had the whole league like. Oh my God! Cider <laughs> did the same thing. Cider's like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know what? I mean, Steve Eiserman strikes me as this guy, and and now obviously as a GM, we know what he did in Tampa, but obviously that wasn't our team, and we didn't fully watch that. You know, every every move he ever made. 
but it feels to me like he's a guy that's not going to be influenced by everybody else. And it feels to me like he has a plan going in and, and, you know, not that every GM doesn't, but it feels like he really has a plan and he executed the plan that he had. Yeah. No matter who, no one was going to tell him anything different. That was the thing. Yeah. Which to me is good. You don't want to go in with all these expectations of guys who are going to be there and guys that you're being pressured to pick because all these different organizations are saying that they're better prospects. If you Um, go out and look with your own two eyes and you watch games and you say, this is the guy I want because this guy can help our team in this situation. I'll tell you what guy you're going to be hoping for. And, and obviously you you have to have another down season for this to happen. But at some point, the the lottery balls are going to go our way and we're going to get a first overall pick. So what better would it be than to, land Alex Lafreniere who is supposed to be he's supposed to be a generational talent right that's what I've seen from a lot of different things and and videos and stuff so so what you're saying is we got to start our draft prep for next year already (laughs) um not not quite but if you're if you're listening to the podcast and and it is summertime and I don't know how many of you guys like baseball but um if you if you want stuff to watch, Alex Lafreniere is something to start to look not look forward to because you don't know if you're going to get him, but start to you know read up on and, and watch, watch some, of the some YouTube because he is he is unbelievable to watch and that that guy in a winged wheel you'd see him you know opening night 2021. Yeah, but. so uh, I I would give it. Would you get? You're going to grade it around the same, right? You're going to give it yeah, around like B. I said, about a B. Yeah. Because we don't know what's going to happen yet. So we took a lot of unknown. We took a lot of people with a with pretty, if they pan out, with pretty big upside. And yeah. in, God, in five, four or five years, our decor is going to be a million. You're not going to recognize any of the names. No, but the thing is, Greg, and, and, and everybody here listening to, you got to be very conscious that like some of these players that you take, even the guys in the second round, aren't going to pan out. And if you get three players from the draft to pan out or even two players from the draft to really pan out and be impact players, and then you won the draft. You yeah. really did a good job. And I feel like this draft is going to be graded, like it or not, on Cider. I, 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 yeah. And that's, that's what some people are, tell- people are saying to me, well, this is a waste of a draft. And I, I say, I mean, I, I struggle to use the word waste until probably – two to three years down the road and, and where the development of this class of prospects is, then maybe I can say it's a waste or not. But uh, for right now, it's a, you sit tight, you see what happens, you see where the development goes, you see where they place these guys and where they're going to play next year. And then what they do when you really take it a couple seasons at a time and see how their development's going. But you're right. It, this, this will be graded on cider and uh, people try to bring up the point. Well, this is going to be the, uh, Bow and Byron versus Moritz Sider draft. And that's not true because we didn't have a chance at Bow and Byron. So it nope. doesn't matter. If anything, this will be the Sider versus Broberg draft. Yep. yep. Because people say you should have taken Broberg. You should have taken Broberg. The thing about Broberg is he wasn't playing against adults, he was still playing against kids. So uh, Broberg, sure. But I think Sider, Sider might have more upside. And I've seen YouTube guys say, Cider was the second best defenseman overall. 
I just would have taken I would have taken the center because I still don't like the center depth that we have. I mean, Valeno, who knows, and he's probably not going to be a center coming into the league right away. Um, Athanasiu, we don't believe is a center, and you don't believe he's a center. I personally nope. don't believe he's a center either. Um, and then you have Larkin, who is obviously your number one center, but you know, and obviously you have Glenn Denning, who is your fourth line center, and you do have some Rasmussen who can play center and. Hopefully he can develop there, but you don't have center depth. And I well, still feel like getting a Z grass there or getting, you know, the way I looked at that, was, there, I, think, I think would have been better, but you know what, if this worked out, it worked out. The way I looked at that was, I would have been nice to get one of those guys this year. Sure. Was it completely necessary? Probably not because again, we probably won't make the playoffs for two more seasons. No. We've got two more drafts by then. So if you say win the lottery next season, you get a top three pick. Say you get Lafreniere. There you go. Why You don't need Zegers at that point. You yeah, got Lafreniere. Cool. You, you get a top three. You take another, another top center in the draft. So – I'm not looking at it. A, we failed right now. We're screwed no. going forward. We didn't do it. No, because if we were a contending team or a really close to contention team, say we've made the playoffs the last three years, we got to the, the semifinals or the conference finals. And we just need to get to that last step. We need to have a really solid draft. Then would I have been mad that we did, that we didn't take Zagreus or Caulfield? Yes, but we're, they said last year we were starting the rebuild. I think Ken Holland, uh, w- after he left, Iserman nuked that plan, and the rebuild starts now. We yep. use those pieces from last year because we got good pieces. We got Flano, we got Zadina, we got Berggren, we got McIsaac. Great, that's a good foundation as long as they work out. Yep. But I think the rebuild under Iserman started this weekend. Yeah, and I that agree. rebuild started with blowing up our entire defensive prospect line. Yeah, and I, I think I, I personally think there's going to be some trades. I, I think that, that I you do may, too. You may see Joe Hickett's gone. Well, Joe um, Hickett's an RFA. Yeah, but you, no, I'm, I'm just saying you may you may end up trading him or or not even you know send, sending him the offer the, the offer there the qualifying offer. You know, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if if there's going to be any other moves, but I feel like Hicketts could be a guy out the door. I don't I don't think that Chalosky or Heronic will be gone. I think he no. likes both of those guys, and I think they're both NHL guys next year. Iserman has said too that he doesn't really see filling holes through trades. I think he may trade for more picks next year, but I think what you'll see is is uh, a couple players having meetings with the Red Wings to discuss their free agent plans. And I think you may see, and it might be a stretch, but the Wings might offer sheet someone like, and I wouldn't see Braden Point at this point because they, uh, Tampa Bay was able to offload enough salary. But it's looking less and less likely that the Leafs are, are going to offer Marner a contract with the signings they had today. You so, would offer sheet Marner. Yep. I mean, at this point, I'd, I might offer sheet Marner. You don't think it's a scummy thing to do? No. No, especially because you look at you look at Toronto, they at this point with their cap, they can't re-sign him not for what he's worth and not for anything that he's going to accept. Yeah, but what 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 is the number? 11? 
Well, he wants a shorter deal. So he, you know he wants a shorter deal. So if you offer him 9.5 for five years, 9.5 for four that. years. Yeah, I'm into that. You have to give up three first-round picks, though, don't you? Actually, no. At that point, it might only be two. Yeah, which, um, is, which is a lot to, to me. But, but Meyer would be the only player that I would do that for. Well, outside of, you know. You can uh, look at – the other thing you can look at is that you can look at getting more first round picks for current players that you have. So if you say we got Mitch Marner, holy shit, we don't need, we don't need Anthony Mantha uh, or we don't need Athens anymore. We might be able to get a first round pick for them, for someone that really needs a player, like uh, an impact player. Maybe you trade Athens and a second for someone's first. Yeah. Or Athens and a third for someone's first. I mean, it's, it's it's all up in the air. Even if you have to use an offer sheet, you can get you can get them back. I feel like there might be a little bit of players in free agency. I don't know with who, but I feel like there could be a little bit of player in free agency so, here. So if you were to offer uh, 9.5 for four years to Mitch Marner, uh, you would be giving the Leafs two first round picks, a second round pick, and a third round pick. Oh, that's a lot. It's a lot. But like I said, you could get those picks back. Plus next season, the the Red Wings have extra picks. So if you have to give up a, a first, a second, and a third next year, in 2020, we have our first. We've got two seconds and two thirds. So if we could so get a first would, back, we'd be all set then. If you could get another first for next year, that's fine. Great. I'll give that up. No problem. Because you still have a first, second, and third round pick if you can get another first. So uh, we've the got Leafs, the problem is I think the Leafs would match it. I don't think they'll be able to at that point. Dubas said that it's not guaranteed that they won't match an offer sheet to Mitch Marner. Well, so I'll tell I you think that's why. where we're going to leave it tonight. Yeah, we can discuss that all night long. And if that happens, then we'll have an emergency podcast. But yeah, we'll be we'll so, do a live stream. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Tyler, let's get your uh, your final thoughts in your Twitter handle. Uh, my final thoughts is, you know, nothing today is franchise altering right now. But, you know, in, in the next coming weeks and months as the seasons go on and and we start to see these kids developing, it, playing in their junior teams and their college teams, and even some of them may, may be in the AHL at some point this year, um, you know, you'll start to see the light at the end of the tunnel when you see some of these kids playing for the world junior teams and stuff like that. Um, my final thoughts, though, I mean, Good job by Eisenman. He stuck to his guns. He did what he wanted to do, and he came in with a plan and he executed it. He didn't. He didn't take the best player available. He drafted for need, and he drafted for for what he thought would make this team better. You know, in the future, and and I can't I can't complain about that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. Yeah, I'm gonna kind of echo Tyler. It's it's building for the future. It's nothing that's going to impact the team right now, and it, we shouldn't have expected anything to impact the team right now, but you're building big, you're building tall, you're building heavy, you're building fast, and you're building right-handed defensemen, and you're 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 bulking your decor. And uh, I even saw on Twitter today, if, if this decor isn't spectacular and doesn't look better in two, two, three seasons, four seasons down the road, the entire scouting department's getting fired. There's no reason to keep them around if we if they scouted that many defensemen. 
pick that many defensemen and that many failed and that the decor doesn't improve, then you're getting a new scouting staff and you're getting new front office people. So uh, I, I'm going to, I'm patient. Eiserman preaches patience. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to see how these guys pan out and, and hopefully we hit some home runs with this draft, but you can follow me online at bringing the wing. You can follow the Grindline podcast online at Grindline Pod. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, almost anywhere you can find a podcast. That's where we're at. You can also find our merch on redbubble.com. If you search the Grindline and go to our shop there, we have a bunch of t-shirts up there for sale. If you look through uh, our Twitter, you can see some samples of them there. Me and Ryan wore the our logo shirts to uh, the draft party. Uh, again, thanks everyone for coming out to the draft party to talk to us. We had a great time. But for Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.